Minimalists. <laughs> Every little thing you think that you need. Every little thing you think that you need. Every little thing that's just feeding your greed. Oh, I bet that you'd be fine without it. Hello, simpletons. <laughs> I'm Joshua Fields Milburn. And I'm Ryan Nicodemus. And together we are the minimalists. You know, Ryan, spring cleaning is right around the corner, but we needn't yes, wait until spring. We needn't even wait till tomorrow to declutter our homes. And today we're sort of getting back to the basics. Since it's just you and me in the studio, we're going to talk about decluttering. We're going to talk about organizing. And we're going to talk about letting go of excess stuff. And we've got a lot of questions today, so let's jump right in. The first one is from John in Oakland. I had a question about you know, how my parents kind of go into more of a minimalist life. I have done so myself. Uh, luckily, I just had a big move right about the time I was, I was thinking about sentimentality and, and getting rid of some of my old possessions. It was great, and I was, I was you know, talking to my parents about it. I found out my dad is, is very much a, uh, a just-in-case guy. That is really uh, a very, like, at his core. Um, you know, he's a big uh, goes and buys, you know, Christmas lights the day after Christmas so he can have them, you know, so he can spend a little less money on it overall. And, and then he, he, like, I kind of sees himself like a little bit of like a Santa Claus, I guess, you know, because anytime anybody has any problems or, or they have a question, you know, and they're over at our house, he can, he can walk them down to the basement and be like, I think this might help. And it does, and, and it feels great. And I don't know how much it happens to him anymore, but I know that that is a big part of kind of how he sees his identity in, like, the neighborhood and stuff. So I was wondering, you know, when you say, like, what's the worst thing that happens if you get rid of this stuff, right? Well, oh, you know, the one answer is, like, oh, well, you know, he won't have a bunch of stuff in his basement where, like, he can go and get stuff. But really, like, I think that he does tie up a lot of his identity. And, you know, he's, he's 70 years old now. I don't know, I don't know if, if I can convince him into the minimalist thing. Uh, kind of the way of life and the idea of philosophy because, you know, he's just, I think he might just be happy with kind of where he is or, you know, and he doesn't seem super happy, but I think he doesn't, doesn't want to put in the effort to change. This really highlights something I wanted to talk about today, Ryan, and it's that I don't think minimalism is necessarily for everyone. Sure. And I think it's important, it's important to, to bring that to the forefront early on. To me, Minimalism worked really well for me. Simplifying my life worked really well for me mm -hmm. because I was discontented by the status quo. And when I, when I say status quo, I mean I was discontented by the amount of things I owned, by the constantly pursuing the purchasing of new items, the acquisition of items, the taking care of items, the storing of items, having the bigger house for all the items. All of those things were stressing me out. And so we have a couple questions within John's question here, within his statement, really, that I'd like to unpack. First off, I'd like to say, if your father is contented with his stuff, then please don't try to force minimalism. Yeah, on that's him. one thing that stood out to me. He said, I don't know if I could convince him to be a minimalist. And I don't think you and I are trying to convince anyone of anything. No. I mean, we are, you know, we're sharing our recipe, we're sharing our story. And if people connect with it, great. Right. But if they don't, that's okay too. Totally agree. Yeah. And and so if your father is reaching out asking for help, that's one thing. If he is contented with the things that he's doing, that he's buying these Christmas lights right after Christmas, which by mm -hmm. the way, is the best time to buy Christmas lights if you're trying to save some money. Yeah, and you know you're gonna use Christmas lights the following season. Right. Yeah. And and, and so if he has just a basement full of stuff that he that is 
adding some sort of value to his life. Please don't try to convert him. Don't go out and proselytize. And then the second thing that I want to talk about here is if you are trying to help someone simplify their lives, instead of telling them what they should do, the best thing to do is is be that example for them. Mm -hmm. Show them how you've experienced benefits from simplifying your life and then how that might translate for them. Of course, the benefits are different for each of us. So you letting go of your Christmas lights in your basement, John, might bring you great joy. For him, it might actually make him discontented. And so you brought up the question, what's the worst thing that could happen? These are two questions that you and I, Ryan, we often ask ourselves. Mm -hmm. What's the best thing that could happen and what's the worst thing that could happen yeah we often start with the what's the worst thing that could happen and i think that's that's an important question because some of these things nothing bad's really going to happen you get rid of the christmas lights in your basement what's the worst thing that can happen i don't know maybe you have to buy more christmas lights in the future maybe not sure. no, nothing terrible is going to happen there but sometimes there there are good answers to that question like if you're going to go skydiving, what's the worst thing that could happen? Well, your parachute doesn't open. Mm -hmm. That's the worst thing that could happen. Mm -hmm. And so you have to be extra cautious with that. And so there are some fears that are warranted, some fears that are not. But on the other side, what's the best thing that could happen if you simplify your life? Well, you make more time for your health, your relationships, your community, your creativity. These are all giant upsides from letting go of your stuff. However, your dad, John, he may not he may not experience those those same benefits that you're experiencing. Mm -hmm. Now he brought up one other thing, Ryan, the the just in case items. Mm -hmm. His dad's holding on to all of these items just in case. Now you and I have two different rules. We have a, a just in case rule and we have a, a just for when rule. By the way, if you're listening to this at home, you can actually download a free ebook that we have. Uh, it's called 16 Rules for Living with Less. It's the minimalist rule book. And both of those rules are in there as well as 14 other rules. It's a free ebook over on our website, theminimalists.com slash resources. And in there, we, we try to differentiate between the just-in-case items, which you and I argue you can replace those things for less than $20 in less than 20 minutes from wherever you are. Mm -hmm. But there are some items that are just for win items. And I would even argue that these Christmas lights, if he knows they're gonna use, he's gonna use them every year, holding on to them actually makes sense because it is a just for win item. He's certain he, he's going to use it. The just in case items are like, eh, I don't know, maybe. Maybe I'll use that someday. I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. And so I give myself permission to let go of any of those just-in-case items, mm -hmm. which I've let go of tens of thousands of just-in-case items. Yeah. But I do hold on to some just-for-win items. I know that I'm going to use them at some point. And there are some other rules that are applicable within that same rule book as well. The 90-90 rule works really well for me, although it wouldn't. It works 99% of the time. It wouldn't work for Christmas lights, right? right. Well, so what's you, nice about that rule book, man, is that you know John's dad, uh, he can he can manipulate those rules, whatever works best for him. So the 90-90 rule, uh, you're right, that might not work. That's not going to work for Christmas lights. Um, even the just in case rules, because like I will I will hold on. to, Let's say I get. Uh, I don't know, dude. The last thing I can think of was like an Ethernet cable that came with a modem or mm -hmm. something when Mariah and I moved into our apartment. Uh, that Ethernet cable already had one, 
And I was like, oh, you know what? I actually might use this to plug the you know router directly into my computer or uh, whatever else. Like I, I, I was like, I might actually use this. Sure. So I held on to it just in case. Mm-hmm. Uh, didn't use it for a few months, and then I let it go. Right. So uh, you know, even those just in case items, you can still create boundaries around those to where John's dad doesn't have to get rid of every single item that he has in his basement. And, you know, you talk about th- those two questions. You know, what's the worst thing that can happen? What's the best thing that can happen? You know, some other important questions are well. What we always tell people to ask themselves when they're on their minimalist journey is, you know, uh, how might your life be better with less? And I was thinking as I was uh, thinking about John's dad, I thought maybe another way to phrase this, uh, John can phrase this to his dad is, uh, how might your life be better if you lived more intentionally? Mm. And I'm sure that he has a basement full of stuff and there's probably some things down there that maybe are stressing him out. Yeah. And those are the things that John wants to help his dad with. Where is his dad feeling this angst? And if you can help your dad out with those those uh, those sources of angst, like that's going to benefit your dad. Having him get rid of everything is not going uh, to make him happy. He talked about his identity. That stood out mm-hmm. to me too, man. Like his dad, his identity is helping people out and having things that he can give other people. It reminds me of uh, someone at our event who was talking about their library. They're like, I just love my books. I love the smell of them. You know, I know I love, I love how I turn the pages. I, friends come over and my favorite part about owning my books is I get to lend friends books and then they go read them and then they uh, bring them back and then we have a nice conversation around the books and that's great. Like their identity is wrapped up in meaningful conversations around the books that they own that's that's not the end of the world i mean i think the identity thing can get a little, little bit dangerous sure uh but you know really what john's dad is a helper and that's what his dad wants to do mm-hmm. so john the question isn't how can you get your dad to be a minimalist the question is how can you help your dad be the best helper he can possibly be oh i love that man and by the way forcing him to get rid of everything in his basement would actually makes him more anxious so so Thinking about that as well, you're asking some really important questions here, Ryan. And John, I would love to bring you and your dad to one of our events. I know you're in Oakland. We're getting ready to go on the Less Coast Tour. We're going to be talking about minimalism and creativity. (laughs) Less side. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to be talking about minimalism and creativity. And it sounds to me like your dad is actually, he's... He is a very creative person. He uses a lot of the these things in his basement and elsewhere in his house for little creative projects and, and to creatively help other people to contribute to the people around him. So if you want to come to one of our stops, I think the San Francisco stop is the, the closest one to you. We're going to be talking about minimalism and creativity. We're going to have a special musical guest and a special podcast guest in every single city. There's eight cities in total all along the west coast of the United States and Canada. You can find your tickets at theminimalists.com slash tour. You can also sign up for our email list to get notified when we're coming to a city near you. Who do we got in San Francisco? Matt Nathanson? Yeah, Matt Nathanson is yeah. not only playing the music. I'm talking about creativity. Yeah. He is one of the most creative people. I know he's going to play the music opening up. He's probably my favorite podcast guest of all time. Yeah. I mean, what a phenomenal conversation we had with him. And now we're going to have him live at the San Francisco event. If you can't attend those events, uh, we will have those uh, recorded for our folks on Patreon as well. Our next question is from Virginia in Chicago. I am totally overcluttered and fear becoming a hoarder if I'm not already a hoarder. The reason is I have had a lot of family members die, and I seem to be the depository for everybody's stuff. To the point of, yeah, gray gardens almost. 
So if you all have any ideas, in addition to the 30-day challenge and me hiring a declutterer, I'd love to hear from you. A few lessons here, Ryan, before we get into Virginia's question. Uh, first off, uh, there is a lot of emotion tied into our things quite mm -hmm. often. Sure. And you can even hear that in her voice. There's, yeah. there's quite a bit of emotion here. So mm -hmm. I, I want to talk uh, talk about that for a moment because your feelings are not the facts, but they in the moment, they definitely feel like the facts. They mm -hmm. feel like what is true, right? And so for me... Uh, one of the things I noticed when I was dealing with my mom's stuff is I was attached to everything. The average American household has 300,000 items in it. When my mother passed, it was my first foray into simplifying. I didn't even know about the term minimalism at the time, but I knew I had to do something with her stuff. It was my first inclination to rent a storage locker, a giant truck, and just put all of her things in storage in perpetuity. Mm -hmm. and just, just in case, right? I was holding on to all of these these sort of memories, right? And the reason I was doing that is when I went down to Florida to address her items, I felt I felt overwhelmed by emotion, all of these memories that are in my mom's things. And and I, I, I it's funny, my, my former spouse just last week sent me an envelope of some of my mom's stuff that she found in her parents' basement. Oh, wow. And I haven't opened the envelope yet. And, and why, why is that? Because there was a moment where I'm like, okay, emotionally, I know this is going to this is going to bring up some good memories, bad mem memories, whatever. But it's going to bring forward a lot of emotions that aren't necessarily facts, and so I need to be in the right space to deal with it. Now, that doesn't mean uh, putting something off forever, but it means you don't. As these things are thrust upon you, it may not always be the the best and most appropriate time to deal with them immediately. Yeah. But before it even gets to that, I think here's a word of warning to all the parents and grandparents out there. And I'm a parent, so I'm already starting to think about this. You know, Ella's only six years old, but I don't want to leave her 300,000 items that she has to deal with. Yeah. I don't want to burden her. But quite often, we don't understand we're saving these things because we think, oh, my kids or my grandkids are going to want these. But maybe we have to think about it a different way. Oh, no, my kids and my grandkids and my family, they're going to have to deal with this. Am I burdening my family by clutching and, and holding on to everything? Mm. And why wait until I'm dead to pass those on if they would get value from those things when i die why not pass them on now if they're actually going to get value from them so if i have a great baseball card collection and i'm just holding on to for a grandson mm -hmm. why not give it to that grandson right now because he could enjoy it now and not wait 20 years or however long yeah right? and also uh if they don't want that baseball card collection they get to make that decision yeah and let's say they refuse to take it you have permission to let that go right then the only reason you're holding on to it at that point is it's for yourself. It's not for them anymore. Um, I, I like what you're talking about, Josh, because she has two really good ideas, uh, the 30-day minimalism game and uh, hiring a professional organizer, which when I think about hiring a professional organizer, what I think about is bringing someone into your life to help hold you accountable. That's a great point. And sometimes you know, a professional organizer can be uh, just a good third-party who can be honest and open with you and they're free of the judgment of your personal life. It's like, you know, I will go see a therapist sometimes mm -hmm. because I need a third party to 
unpack my thoughts with right. someone who is, uh, you know, not biased. Right. And it's not like you're sitting down with podcast Sean who has his own biases and wants to make sure he doesn't offend you or whatever. Although sometimes I do unload my problems on podcast Sean. Well, yeah, I do too. We do it. We do it every <laughs> Tuesday, actually. That's right. Now, Ryan. But, but well, I mean, where I'm going with this, though, is that those are two really good ideas. But to initiate those good ideas, she has to have emotional leverage to do that. And what you just went through talking about, uh, you know, why am I going to hold on to this stuff? I don't want to burden my children. Everything you just went through, that is a very good way to get emotional leverage. And for me, like that's where I think Virginia needs to start is with getting to the root of why. And, uh, you know, do we have a magic bullet answer? Like, oh, okay, well, here's a third option you can do. I mean, yeah, you could do a packing party with one of your rooms uh, or maybe you just do it with a drawer or a closet. But ultimately, once she gains that, emotional leverage there's going to be a lot of work mm-hmm. that has to be done and i think that's really what virginia's scared of yeah yeah and, and i think we're scared of it because it seems so overwhelming in the moment mm-hmm. because anytime there's a major task it's the reason we procrastinate is the thing seems much bigger than it actually is right and but when you chunk it down to something smaller it's the reason the 30 day she mentioned the 30 day minimalism game which by the way you if you want some help with that uh, go to the minimalists.com slash game all the details are there it's a free game it's just you can actually download a free calendar now so we have a printable calendar that people can print out and sort of go through the game together it's it's a free calendar what's really cool too man is like there's a whole community online around this 30 day challenge right so it's another option for her to get some uh, accountability partners right and yeah. some support as well yep because right now it seems like what you're missing is the support so so it's it could be a professional organizer which by the way sean let's put a link to our friends over at napo the national association of professional organizers in fact i think they changed that acronym but uh we've given talks at at their conference before and uh these people you know, ryan you and i will often say that organizing is often well-planned hoarding, right? Is usually well-planned hoarding. Organizers actually get this. Professional organizers realize the best way to organize your stuff mm-hmm. is to get rid of most of it. You yeah. can tweet that podcast, Sean. Now, uh, realizing that is we're not talking about getting rid of everything and we're also not talking about keeping everything and just putting it in an organized system of container store bins. Mm-hmm. What we're talking about is all of these things, Virginia, have been thrust upon you. You have family members who have died, which, by the way, um, it's now those things have been been thrust upon you. First off, you don't have to necessarily accept anything you don't want to accept. I just want to be clear about that right now. Mm-hmm. You're, you're not forced to, to deal with these things. You get to choose whether or not you want to deal with these things. But if they're already in your house now, yes, you have to do something about them. Now is a good time to to start the process, but start by chunking it in some way, by doing the 30-day mm. minimalism game, by setting up some rules for yourself. We already talked about the the minimalist rule book, and by, by having some outside counsel. That doesn't have to be hiring a professional organizer. Mm. It can be some friends and family. You can do, when you and I did your packing party, the reason we did that was support and accountability, right? Mm-hmm. Instead of you having to go through your whole house on your own, it was packing everything up, pretending as if you were moving and actually making it into something that is an emotional process, making it something that's fun. And and when something becomes fun, when it becomes enjoyable, when there's actually joy there, it starts to remove the anxiety from the process. Mm -hmm. It removes the negative emotions from the process. 
and I'm not saying the process doesn't have isn't going to be emotional, but it can be the good emotions that you experience by letting go of all of this excess stuff. Virginia, I'm going to send you a copy of our book, Everything That Remains. Uh, Ryan and I, we had this five-year journey of simplifying our lives. You certainly don't need to take five years to do it. In fact, my my simplification took about eight months for me. It took Ryan 21 days. <laughs> and uh, we I were, still feel like I'm on my journey, though. Yeah, yes, indeed. It, it, <laughs> you, we reached that horizon, but there, there's a new horizon out there. But in everything that remains, I wrote about dealing with my mother's stuff. So my mother passed away, and I had to confront all of her items and I wrote about it in everything that remains. If you enjoy our podcast, I think you'll really enjoy the audiobook version of everything that remains. It's my favorite thing that we've ever written. Or if you want the book book or the ebook version, we'll be happy to send those to you as well. All right, Ryan, what time is it? It's time for our lightning round where we answer your text messages. Text your questions and comments to 937-202-4654. Those text messages, they go straight to both of our phones. We can't answer every question, but we'll reply to as many as we can. Yes, indeed. During the lightning round, this is where Ryan and I each do our best to answer every question with just a short, shareable, less than 140-character response. We also put the text to these minimal maxims in the show notes so you can copy and share our pithy answers on social media if you like. And now you can find all of our minimal maxims in one place, minimalmaxims.com. All right. Our question is from Marie. How can I have memories and memory boxes and still be a clutter-free minimalist. I mean, so so we need to parse out these two things, right? Mm. Unfortunately, we conflate memories <clears throat> with our memory boxes, quite literally, yeah. right? We have <clears throat> boxes and bins and crates and, and storage lockers and containers and bread boxes and old cookie jars and all of these things that clutter every bit of our homes they they're in the attic they're in the the guest bedroom storage closet they all of these places that we just store these things why because we say well i want to keep my memories in there mm. but how often do we actually access those things yeah we can access the memories without accessing the things and so my pithy answer for you is an oldie but a goodie <laughs> our memories are not in our things our memories are inside us. Yeah. I think once we realize that, that I can let go of something and still retain mm. the memory that I have of the thing or of the experience that I, that I experienced with the thing, it gives me permission to let go. Now, what I will say is also, sometimes our things can trigger the memories inside us. So before I let go of some of my things, what I'll do is I'll take a, I'll snap a photo of it. And having that photo still gives me the trigger to the memory without having to hold on to the, the, the giant you know, sideboard cabinet or whatever. I just realized, like, thinking about this question, we are we're scared of being forgotten. But, like, what's worse than being forgotten is forgetting our own lives. Mm. And I think that is why we – that's why I uh, – used to have the memory boxes. It was, I wanted to remember every little detail of my life that I could. Um, but yeah, when I went through those memory boxes, like during my packing party, I realized that, A, maybe these aren't memories I want to sit here and cling to. Yeah. And B, they really weren't that awesome of a memory anyway. 
and C, you can create new and should be creating yeah. new memories, better memories with the experiences we're having. Because, Ryan, you bring up a really great point. If we're always clinging to the memories of, of, of the past, mm-hmm. we're not making room for the memories we're creating right now. Yeah. There's something pithy there, Sean, that you can tweeze <laughs> out. He'll make it real nice and post. I've got a couple of pithy answers here. Uh, the first one is keeping memories doesn't mean keeping clutter. Amen. Um, so just to your point, Josh, uh, we don't have to have memory boxes to have uh, memories. We don't. We even don't have to have a bunch of pictures uh, to have memories. Um, some things do trigger the memories, but really, uh, I guess what I'm trying to lead into is this second pithy answer, which is the more we hold on to stuff, the more we let go of precious memories. What do you always say, Josh? If everything is precious, then nothing is precious at all. Yes, indeed. Am I I paraphrasing that right? That's pretty solid, yeah. (laughs) If everything's precious, then nothing is precious. And I agree with that. If if we treat everything, if we hold on to 300,000 items and treat them all as precious, Mm -hmm. then we're not really getting value from any of it. It becomes this... This, this stew of, of stress and anxiety and a lot of stuff that's actually getting in the way of what you're saying, of what is truly precious to us. Yeah, I mean, it's like, if we hold on to zero memories, mm-hmm. that's, I don't encourage that. If we hold on to 300,000 memories, I don't encourage that. Right. And uh, what I like to think is, you know, we do this podcast and, and we write uh, t- to help people find that balance between zero and 300,000. Yes. <laughs> and uh, individual results may vary. Yes. All right. Before we get into our added value segment and our listener tips today, it looks like we got a bunch more surprise questions this week. Ryan, I can't wait to answer some of these with you. How do you start letting go? That's an important question. How do you start letting go? How do you organize all your passwords? I had to talk to <laughs> Sean about this because he is the password king. So we've got some answers for you there. How do you get rid of paper clutter with no scanner? How do you get rid of other people's clutter? How do you get kids to let go of clutter? How do you how do you do with ang- <laughs> how do you deal with anxiety? Oh yeah, how do you deal with anxiety from mental clutter? Um, y- you know, it's one of the big things that comes up is. We see all this stuff that we've accumulated over the years and we just we we want to hide it because the anxiety just comes to the forefront almost mm. immediately. So I want to talk to you about that. Yeah. Also, to what extent should books be considered clutter? We're gonna give you the exact number of books you must own. That's right. Stay tuned. It's three. Right here. <laughs> all three of our books. No, uh, we're gonna we're gonna talk about books though, yeah. because that, that is one thing that comes up a lot, plus a bunch more questions about clutter. I'll tell you what I'm really excited about for this Maximal segment Yeah, is this article you picked out for us mm. to go over. So, it's uh, a critique on minimalism. Yes. So um, Josh and I always pick out some kind of current event to to go over during the Maximal episode. And it's I think it's really important for us to go over the critiques. It's important for me to critique myself. Yes. Like I don't want to... Uh, I guess I just don't want to add more clutter to the world yes like i want to actually feel like I'm, I'm i'm doing something that that is meaningful and i think in order for me to feel that way i constantly have to question my motives i have to constantly question uh my i don't want to say my morals but uh my values i guess uh i need to question my values so um this article is great because it's a what's the article called it is called the pitfalls and the potential of the new minimalism. Yeah, I mean... And, it, and by the way, it's why one of my favorite writers in the world, Gia Tolentino. It's a very it's a very capturing title. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I just cannot wait to go over this, uh, this critique of minimalism and really unpack what this article is saying. 
by the way, that's the it, it's a perfect uh, segue because the that's the online title that in the print magazine. I think it was just called Simple Plans. Yeah. So online, they feel that you have to even these the, the New Yorker, which is what what this is in. They feel like they have to get a little bit clickbaity there in order to to drag people in, but. It's a it's a very well well written article by one of my favorite writers. We're going to talk about that, and mm-hmm. we're going to talk about a bunch more about clutter. We're going to do that on this week's maximal episode. Uh, you're currently listening to our weekly minimal episode, but each week Ryan and I record an entirely different maximal episode on Patreon. It's called the Minimalist Private Podcast. And if you if you have a whatever you use, I'm not even looking at my script here, but if you listen to this podcast on a podcast app you can also listen to the minimalist private podcast which is a totally separate endeavor but it keeps this podcast 100 percent advertisement free it also gives us the private space we need to talk about a lot of the things that that we don't talk about in public it's, it's like this critiquing article yeah it's it's, <laughs> it's a bit of a safe space for us that our patrons mm-hmm. our, our patreon supporters they they give us that space to sort of mess up in real time and talk about things that we wouldn't necessarily talk about in front of millions of people we'll talk about in front of this small private podcast audience and you can find that over at theminimalists.com slash support you can also get a personal link so that our private podcast plays in your favorite podcast app ryan what else you got for us this week here are some voicemail comments and tips from our listeners hi this is katie from philadelphia uh i had a uh, tip for the latest podcast with courtney harbour and simple uh clothing there's a website an app called better world shopper it ranks companies based on social responsibility sustainability environmentalism etc now while they rank everything they do have a section for clothes and you can go on the app or the website and find brands and how they rank based on all these different things Anyway, I thought that might be helpful for listeners who are hoping to buy sustainable and environmentally friendly clothes. Hey, fellas, this is Cami in Spokane. I have been thinking about gift giving as a love language, and I'm totally with you. I don't think it's a real thing. I think it's consumerism driven. But I do think that there's a concept inside of there that can expand beyond the other concepts of the other four love languages that are commonly out there. And I think it's the word that I think can encompass it because it can go many different directions is deliberate. And I love somebody who's a deliberate gift giver because that means they've thought about me as the recipient, not what they want to give me, but they've really thought about me. And that is a powerful thing to be on the receiving end of somebody who's really considered what I want. And oftentimes that does bleed into those other, you know, quote, love languages. But I think it's really powerful when someone can say, you know what, Cammie, I know that you don't want that box of chocolates. I mean, you want to eat them, but you're not trying to grow your ass right now. So what I, I, what I have noticed is that what you love most is, you know, X, Y, Z, and it may not cost any money or maybe it does, but it costs them being deliberate to deliver that gift. And anyway, I just think that some of the best romance can be born out of that. And some of the best friend connections and even like, co-worker connections of like oh wow they see me or I see you when you can deliver on that deliberateness all right y'all I want to thank our special guest this week Ryan Nicodemus thanks for having me man I really appreciate it you can find him at RyanNicodemus.com <laughs> wait I do actually own that don't I yeah, it just forwards to the minimalist I think <laughs> 
<laughs> All right, real quick for uh, right here, right now, here's one thing that's going on in the life of the minimalists. So, Ryan, you know I teach a writing class. Yes. And uh, what we do is like two, sometimes three times a year, we open it up for about 48 hours. So enrollment for 48 hours, uh, and we limit it to 100 students at a time. Last time it sold out, it sells out most times. So if you're interested in this, you can sign up for the email list over at howtowritebetter.org. And we will send you an email to notice, notify you when the, uh, the when the writing class opens up. I want to help you. If you give me four weeks of your life, I'm going to help you write better. Preach. Yeah, whether it's blog posts or books or business emails, I, I could take these four weeks and show you how to write better. I'll give you the tools you need. You can check out all the testimonials over there at howtowritebetter.org as well. And uh, if you sign up for that email list, you'll also get a free ebook, 11 Ways to Write Better. It's my 11 writing tips, my best writing tips for you, which is absolutely free. There's no commitment. And I will warn you this. It's not a writing class that is for everyone necessarily. If you're not willing to put in an hour worth of work a day for four weeks, then it's probably not for you. But I've had high school students take the class. I've had medical doctors take the class. I've had everyone in between, factory workers and and, and um, stay-at-home parents. I've had a lot of people take this class, people who have English as a second language. Mm. And the rising tide lifts all boats for me. So if you give me four weeks of your life, an hour a day, I will show you how to write better. Just check out the testimonials. Get your free ebook over at howtowritebetter.org. Enrollment opens February 24th and 25th, 2020. It's only open for those 48 hours and only for the first 100 people that can fit into the class. It's a great class, man. I remember taking it when I was living in, when we were living in Phillipsburg. Yeah, out in Montana. I kind of feel like I need to take it again. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can be one of the 100, Ryan. <laughs> I'll put it on the company credit card. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right. Uh, you can follow The Minimalists on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at The Minimalists. If you have a question, comment, or minimalism tip for our podcast, email a voice memo to podcast at theminimalists.com. Comment on this episode at youtube.com slash theminimalists. If you want our show notes in your inbox, sign up for our email list over at theminimalists.com, and you'll also receive our simple Sunday emails each week. For our added value this week, my favorite song of the year so far, Ryan, is this gal named 070 Shake. And she has the song called Guilty Conscious, which is from her new album, Modus Vivendi. And I want you to check that out because it is, I don't know how to describe it other than it's like, it's its the new pop and it sounds, well, it sounds so amazing. I think you're going to enjoy it. <laughs> Isn't the new pop just pop? <laughs> no, definitely not. It, it sort of infuses R&B and hip hop and, and... Um, man, it's just such a, a really great song. So here is 070 Shake's song, Guilty Conscious. And if you leave here today with just one message, we hope it's this. Love people and use things because the opposite never works. Thanks for listening, y'all. We'll see you next time. My mom won't let me first. Voice in my head. I hear what it says. I can't trust a thing. If I picked up in her. How fast did you forget?